Money, consumption, status, and power have long driven our culture's pulse. They've shaped our motivations, our behaviors, and our beliefs. But what happens when we give art the same influence? Writers, designers, musicians, photographers, videographers, and the world's most creative minds have the power to heal us, challenge us, and guide us back home to ourselves. In their hands and through their crafts, we find a new world, one where art is a catalyst for powerful change, where self-expression, human connection, and deep empathy are the world's richest assets. This is Art is the New Wall Street with your host, Morgan Short. Hello, Devin. Hi, Morgan. And hi, artists and creative friends. Welcome back to Art is the New Wall Street. We are in for such a treat today. We're welcoming an incredible human to the show, Devin Brazil. Devin is a writer, storyteller, poet, speaker, performance artist, spiritual coach, creative director, experienced designer, all-around creative being and facilitator of everyday magic. She truly embodies creativity and holds space for creativity and her energy just spreads like wildfire to everyone who is lucky enough to be in her presence. So I am so excited for her to join the podcast this morning. Devin, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for that vibrant introduction. I feel so honored to be here. Yes, me too. I'm so honored to have you and we're going to explore All of the juicy aspects of the creative journey today, Um, we're going to explore how ideas are born and transform and sometimes take unexpected turns, the dance and intersection between being a business owner and an artist and finding your inner artist and uh, being true to what's calling on your heart. So Devin, it is a true honor, my friend. And if you wouldn't mind, let's just start by giving the audience some background to who you are and how you've um, become this creative human being. So. Let's start um, with a, a piece you've often spoken about around pain being a portal to life's purpose. Could you share about this philosophy and how it came to be? Absolutely. I really feel like the creative journey often opens up like a portal from some type of divine catalyst in our lives. It could be a dark night of the soul, uh, an experience that just really rocks our world and cracks us open like Uh, a chick cracking out of its egg into life. And for me, that experience was most certainly losing my father uh, nine years ago, which feels wild to actually say out loud that it's been almost a decade now since he passed away. And for me, that was just two weeks after my college graduation. So talk about, you know, the baby chick cracking out of the egg to live its life. There I was on the precipice of my quote unquote adulthood, or I certainly felt like it was going to be my adulthood, still a baby then (laughs) at college graduation time. But uh, I was floored by the loss. And I had gone to school for communications and media studies and um, got some marketing training in there as well. And my dad was quite the businessman and entrepreneur. And I remember really wanting to make him proud and leave a legacy that would honor him. And I ended up taking a job in the marketing department of a restaurant group. And I kind of thought that that would be a job that he would like for me. 
I guess we didn't really get into the nuts and bolts of it while he was alive. So I just projected onto that, like, this is something that would make him proud. So maybe I should do it. And while I had a lot of wonderful experiences in this position, it just really didn't fire me up in any way, shape, or form. It just like sounded good um, rolling off my tongue. It looked good on my business card and on my resume, but I didn't find it to be a match for my creative soul in any way. So from that point, I spent a lot of time doing spreadsheets and <laughs> data entry and, um, you know, the unglamorous aspects of a job of that kind. And during all of that, I was trying to move through grief, this unfathomable grief of losing my dad at such a young age. And on my work breaks, I would kind of go and listen to people that inspired me just to fuel my eight hour, you know, nine to five moments and keep my energy high enough to show up for something that really didn't feel like a match for my spirit. And I listened to all kinds of speakers, Wayne Dyer and uh, Michael Beckwith. Wow, if you're not familiar with him, please listen. Marianne Williamson, different teachers that Esther Hicks brought me to these places of openness where I felt like I could heal um, while I was trying to be part of this reality. And in that, in that way, I started to find my purpose. By listening to other people who came before me, people with what I felt like had more wisdom than I did, who had been walking on this road of growth and transformation and healing for such a long time. And while I thought I was going to go on this kind of business and marketing, a more traditional path, I was able to find myself. And uh, the the moment really was coming across this quote um, by a poet, Oliver Wendell Holmes, and it's alas for those that never sing but die with all their music in them. That was it. Just seeing that from my desk, the smallest desk in the back corner of the whole office, like among a pile of papers, doing spreadsheets, there it was. It hit me and it like <clears throat> took my breath away. And in that moment, I was like, oh my God. What if I die with all my music in me? I have all of these creative ideas. I have all of these visions. I have all of this pain. I have all of this passion. And here I am in this dusty corner of this office, um, drowning in paperwork, uh, wondering if I'm actually utilizing this precious gift of life or if I'm simply busying myself, running away from my pain, running away from my purpose. Um, and in that moment, I knew that I had to make a shift and start traveling down a more soul-aligned path. What did a more like soul-aligned path look like for you in those earlier moments? You know, I after listening to all of those speakers just kind of as a way to cope, I started to feel a resonance for myself. And even at that young age, I think I had just turned 23, I felt like... Some of these ideas that they're bringing forward are true for me on a really deep divine level. And I'm going through something hard right now. Like I am going through losing a, a family member, you know, a parent or a sibling or a close friend. It's one of those defining moments on the path of being alive and human that can shift everything. And there was something about some of the concepts that they were exploring in regards to healing and growth and transformation that 
felt so in alignment with me. I've always loved to write and speak since I was a little girl. I grew up uh, as an actress. I always thought that's what I wanted to be when I grew up. And so I felt this resonance and I didn't exactly know how I was going to be in there, but I knew there would be something with helping people, serving people along the way who were growing through these or growing through. I was going to say going through, but actually that was a good Freudian slip growing through these moments of trauma and tragedy and earth shattering pauses uh, where life suddenly cracks open and we see it through a new lens. So at that point, I, I learned a bit more about what it meant to be a coach and a healer and a support person on the planet. And I decided to go back to school. And it was very different than my original undergrad. Going back and doing my coaching training was a two-year program. And I loved it. I nerded out about every single thing that I was doing there. I loved all the books I was reading. I was excited to write the papers that we were assigned. And that excitement was the greatest clue for me to know that I was on my path. Because it wasn't like doing generals in undergrad where I just kind of was going through the motions and checking the boxes to get my degree. This time, it felt like, yeah, curriculum for my soul, curriculum for my heart, a space for me to actually grow the unique essence of who I am and expand it in a way that would allow me to truly be of service. Oh, that is, I just want to pause and just acknowledge you first of all Devin thank you for um sharing the story of your dad and how does somebody really figure out if something is meant for them or not yeah that's a great question I think that the only way to know is to try and we can get so wrapped up in the pressure cooker of making the right decision or like finding our purpose, even that statement is laced with pressure for me. And I think that it prevents a lot of us from taking a risk and um, trying something new and daring to enter into a situation with a beginner's mindset. It's almost like as adults, if we can't guarantee success, we're too afraid to try something on like a new hat. It's like, this is either your style or not. And that's how you find out if it's something you want to wear. And maybe you rock the hat for a while and you switch to headbands. Who, I want to swear, but I won't effing cares. Like, just do it. Like, oh, literally. We, there's no way to know unless we try. And it's as easy as switching up items in your closet when it comes to finding our purpose or finding out if something's meant for us. Really, the only way we're going to do it is if we can get creative courageous and creative and into action and be willing to try and fail and try again, knowing that failure is really just a portal into a deeper level and expression of truth. You know, I uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had a breakthrough moment myself. I, I could not sleep. Um, I kept, I'm a spiritual person. Um, I believe in God and I kept praying to God, like, just let me sleep. Like I will, um, like I was negotiating. I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this in the morning. Cause I, there was this thought that was like, what is with your like constant need for accomplishment? And, and I seriously stayed up all night and, um, finally like 4am I 
finally, after counting backwards from 100, praying to God to help me fall asleep, like I just got up and started like writing like crazy. And I had this breakthrough about outcomes, exactly as you were saying, and how like so much of my life and I can relate to the your story around like, what would my dad be proud of? What job could I do? For, I, I have that same tie to my my own dad. And it's just like my whole life, I've thought like corporate ladder, climate. And this is a big part of why I started this podcast too, is like, yeah. I've been so connected to outcomes in a lot of my creative journey as well. Like I just think about so much about the audience and think about so much about like, how is this going to land instead of like, nurturing and going inward and like nurturing my inner creative and going after that and so this this podcast even is like an exploration of like where I want to go specifically and it's removing myself from this definition of success that I thought I had which is really Mm, cool so anyway I just I just really relate to your your story and I'm grateful that you shared that with us Devin you and I met um Let's see. It was 2020. Um, it was during the pandemic. You were you were putting on a retreat, and I was part of that with my mom. Actually, we came to it, uh, so it was a virtual one. And then later on, you were um, gracious enough to extend your space for me for a poetry reading, and that space is the Real Magic House. So, for those unfamiliar, could you tell everyone briefly about what? the Real Magic House is and what the initial vision there was. Absolutely. So the Real Magic House is the the flowering fruit of a seed that has been living in me for quite some time. So uh, just to kind of catch up how we got from, you know, becoming a coach to opening up uh, a space for events and retreats like the Real Magic House so it was a seed of an idea that was born while I was working with individuals and groups as I started my coaching journey, which was maybe, yeah, the two years after my dad died. So I've been doing that for seven years about. And it was something that I always thought was going to be far off into the future, having some type of community space where other healers, coaches, entrepreneurs, and artists could come and host transformational experiences. It seemed like a really distant dream. Fast forward to the pandemic when everyone is, you know, trapped inside, wondering what's going to happen in life and told to stay six feet away from each other and or else not breathe on each other. And there's all this fear around being connected and so much distance between people. As Strange as it sounds, the urgency to create a community space really amplified in me during that time. Yeah. And specifically because of the the fear that was so very alive in our collective, I was mostly feeling afraid about what are the ramifications of this distance? And yes, as you mentioned, Morgan, we connected over a virtual retreat. And there were all kinds of gorgeous global initiatives to stay woven together as a human family during that time. But truly, in my opinion, there is no substitution for in-person connection. This is where we heal and grow, and especially with groups. So in my professional and artistic journey, I started to shift from individual sessions that I was providing as a coach and experienced designer to thinking more about the group dynamic. Because being a facilitator is 
really about igniting and inspiring a circle or a container of human beings like a mastermind. Yeah, where we all get connected and it isn't so about, you know, anyone coming to a teacher or a facilitator or a coach for answers. But it's like, what is the the collective heart here? What's the collective mind and wisdom and how can we support one another? So these spaces started to emerge as really important to me during the pandemic. And at that time, even though I thought this was a dream that was still maybe five or 10 years away, I felt like, no, right now, this is the time. And I talked to my husband, Isaac, about it, and we started jamming on this dream. I will say that although our families were supportive, they were skeptical. They were like, okay, so this is the time to open up a community gathering space like during global pandemic hmm. i mean it really felt like a contradiction to the moment um to those who were around us in many ways but i will say we took the first year just to kind of nest and allow for the vision of this space to come to life and your poetry reading happened during that time but we did a couple of events just to kind of drip it into the community and, you know, figure out how we might start inviting people in. But we weren't fully public until 2021. So throughout 2020, we just sort of let this space talk to us. We found the house itself. It's this magical storybook kind of a space that randomly exists in Hudson, Wisconsin. And I wish that listeners could see the room I'm in right now because there are dragonflies and butterflies literally on the ceiling. And this was the first room that I walked into when we entered this space. And from the moment we saw it, we just knew this is going to be the canvas for the art of experience design and human connection to happen on. It just is. the. This is going to be the stage. And it has become such a special place in the last three years for people to come together from many different walks of life for all kinds of artistic and transformational experiences. Uh, And who would have thought that it was something that would be born out of a global pandemic where we're being told to stay as distant from one another as possible. But there was a need for it, for sure. You all can't see me, but I'm moving around in my seat because when she speaks about the real magic house, oh, oh my gosh, I've been to a few um, events there, uh, what their Wild Define series. Oh my gosh, they they just, they are just both such magic people, um, house or not, like they just invite so many, like when they bring community together, it's really, really magical. Like the real magic house is the perfect name this space and for um you know just the the magic that they bring to other people so it's it's beautiful and then you take back whatever you show up to the space for like you can then bring that back to the world and it's really cool it's really cool there was something you said there Devin, that i wanted to talk a little bit more about which is um, the the people around you kind of like thinking like, are you guys crazy? Like during the pandemic, <laughs> like this is what you want to do. And I think um, that can kind of translate into a lot of different art forms or business ventures or whatever. And just what advice would you have for people kind of going through that similar thing where a lot of their close loved ones, people that they value are kind of 
not so bought into their vision? Yeah, that's a great question. I've got a few stories from the road around that. But I think what it really boils down to is, you know, the thing that people don't often tell you about growth is that it might cost you something. And sometimes it's someone. And not everyone is going to be along for the ride of our journeys as we dive into deeper and bolder creative endeavors in our lives. And we were surprised to see even some close friends that have literally never attended an event at The Real Magic House. That was surprising to us. We thought immediately our community would be extremely supportive. And, you know, we stepped out and did something brave and big during a time where what we were choosing to do was a bit controversial, I would say, or a lot controversial. We had friends and family on all sides of the spectrum as far as whether they felt supportive and excited about it or perhaps it brought up fear or maybe they even had judgment about the desire to do what we were doing. So that is just going to happen. Like, get prepared. If you are a creative person who is courageous enough to pursue your passion and your purpose and whatever projects are singing out your name, just understand that it's going to activate a variety of different reactions in the community around you. And it it speaks a lot more to their own internal state and where they're at in their journey than it does to what's true for you. There's a lot of projection that can happen there. You're providing a sacred role by being a divine catalyst for the people around you, even if their reactions are negative, it's expanding their awareness in some way. Sometimes the reactions are negative because they're actually feeling a bit of jealousy. They're like, well, I wish I could pursue something that lit me up, but I'm doing this instead. So I'm, you know, it's going to manifest in me not being a supporter. But underneath that, I actually would like to pursue my art in some way. That's just one example. Um, so maybe just understanding that there are going to be a variety of action, reactions, good, bad, and ugly, and an invitation to not take them so personally and to just expect them and understand that your people are going to find you, period. When you decide to be a pillar and a lighthouse on the planet who is standing for something, that beam is going to shine out into the darkness and call your ships to the shore, period. Oh, I love that. It reminds me of a quote. Um, I'm going to butcher it right now, but it's like, um, once you decide, like the universe will fold and conspire on your like behalf, right? Like yes. or if you allow yourself to be in like your true self and just, you know, like just go for what's on your heart, like your tribe's also going to find. And it's so telling to like the people who show up in those times. Um <laughs> The people who are around in those times and then the people that, you know, like, like do fold and bend a little bit to allow that space to be, which is a special kind of person as well. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's right. In preparation for this episode, we were talking about a transformative shift that happened for you last summer. So I'd like to get into that. Can you tell us about that journey? What happened last summer? Let's get into it. So, so yeah, we are a around three years into this real magic house journey. And so far, it's mostly just been my husband and I. 
So for those listening, I'm not sure if there are some of you who've gone into a business venture with a close relation, whether it's a romantic partner or a friend or a family member, but that is a profound undertaking because to try to figure out when to put on your business hat and then take that off and then put on the hat of your relationship again is an art in itself. So we have been uh, practitioners of that art as well uh, for the last three years. And there was a moment this summer of total burnout, uh, just completely honestly, um, for my husband and I. And, you know, we have had fabulous volunteers. We've had an assistant at one point in time. But uh, it's, it does take time to really get a business off the ground and make it profitable enough to call in a team, which would be fabulous. You know, our dream would be to have a team of 10 people. And I know that that's possible at some point, but so far, we've been hustling, us yeah. too. Yeah. And the burnout of trying to be everything <laughs> for everyone from, you know, venue operators to marketing and advertising to experience design to cleanup crew. I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, It kind of crescendoed to this point of like disenchantment and burnout with it all. And for me, my, my little girl inside of me was just crying for an opportunity to express herself in the ways that she loves to. And growing up, you know, art was my lifeblood. It was my savings grace. I was into theater and singing and painting and drawing. I mean, every art form known to man, but particularly writing and theater were my areas of expression. And I could feel her. Oh my gosh, I'm literally looking. I just found this like old school version of myself. In this puffy little 90s sun and moon dress, I had to put her up here for this episode because she just like flew back into my awareness, like my three, four, five-year-old self. And I could feel her longing for me to get back into my artistry individually in a big way because we have provided the stage and this canvas for all of these artists and creatives and entrepreneurs and healers to share and shine their gifts, which has been epic, by the way. Mm -hmm. And as artists ourselves, uh, my husband is also a DJ and does experience design. He's helping out with a festival this summer called Soul of the South Side. Um, We're both like really feeling this innate spiritual hunger to get back to our own creative selves, to be Mm -hmm. one of the artists versus being the venue for the artists. So this radical, wild voice in me that started as a whisper and ended up crescendoing into like a full-on belt was like, Devin, you need, you need to go take a creative sabbatical. You need to go on an adventure and it's got to just be you, babe. And I'm like, oh my goodness, how does one do this with a business and a community and a husband and, you know, our family all around and friends? Like, what are people even going to think? Like, instantly I started to meet my own inner voice with so much uh, shutdown and judgment and fear really was the overarching essence. Um, So it took me a second to really honor the voice, but it came through piercingly clear with, creative sabbatical, you and your little girl inside are going to go on a journey to reignite this 
creativity and to source from your own aliveness again. And I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you like to your point of like, what are people going to think? What, what's going to happen? Like I'm a business owner. I have these responsibilities. How, how did you approach that? I know that some people listening might have value to like, oh, if this is calling to my heart, like, do I just go do it? Or do I have to make some sort of announcement about the thing I'm doing now? Like, how did you approach that? Yeah, I I thought like, oh, I'm gonna make this like, you know, all of these social media posts about it and like document the whole experience. And then I just thought, you know, I don't actually feel that that's necessary. Uh, it, it, when it came down to it, the important thing was to have the conversation with my husband mm-hmm. and let him know what was coming up because he is my business partner. We are in this together. And if I'm feeling this, uh, you know, I'm going to have some special requests of him of holding down the fort while I'm gone. We had bookings um, and all kinds of things that we were responsible for. So mostly my fear was around approaching him and seeing if I could garner his support for this desire. And, you know, we had some big conversations around it. Yeah. And he he met me with support. He met me with celebration. And I also yeah. told him I was going on a road trip, that this wasn't going to be a flight, but I was going to be driving for 20 hours down to Austin, Texas, and then another 20 hours to Los Angeles. And there there was fear and there were questions. There were all kinds of things that emerged um, between both of us as I said that, but it just felt true. It felt like we... Um, as business partners, we're kind of in the space of stagnancy and um, logistics. And obviously, these are things that are part of owning a business. Um, but it felt like we needed to shake things up. It felt like we needed to create some expansion for new energy and inspiration to come in. And that's exactly what this time provided for us. And to leap into that unknown without really having any idea how it was going to impact us personally or professionally, felt like a huge risk. But it also felt very true that it was one that I could not avoid taking, like it was taking me. Mm-hmm. I could just feel the the divine hand of this calling, just pulling my my car. I call her Mermanda. She's like this teal, like mermaidy looking car. So could feel this hand pulling me and Mermanda to Los Angeles. And I'm so glad I did it because along the way, I did open mics for the first time to open up the trip. I did an open mic um, on my dad's birthday, actually. So talk about in leading us into our purpose, all these milestones. Um, There I was, my first open mic, sharing my poetry in a brand new city, had just arrived to Austin, Texas on my dad's birthday in front of a big crowd of strangers. And it just felt like I was exactly where I was meant to be in that moment. How poetic. Like, that is... Like your life is poetry. Like that is gorgeous that you had to go on this soul, this almost like eat, pray, love, like adventure trip. And then to show up for your little inner child, your little Devin on your dad's birthday to commemorate. Oh my gosh. Like what a cool, it's just so poetic. Like It really was, Morgan. And between Austin, Texas and Los Angeles, so many things happened. I enrolled in a writing class. I enrolled in an improv class. I did all kinds of open mics. I went out and enjoyed music by myself. I went to comedy clubs by myself. Like 
I'll just plug too that as a as a woman who entered a relationship at a young age, 16. That's actually how long I've been with my husband. Um, oh. I never really got time out in the world by myself. Uh-huh. And I was such a daddy's girl. I actually kind of felt like I shifted from my dad's hands to my boyfriend's hands, who then became my husband. And this little sabbatical, it was just like me and my inner child rocking it out, seeing what it felt like to be a woman in the world on her own oozing with creativity, living in her own story. And it's benefited my relationship and all of my other relationships, friendships, and family around as a result of that time, that gift that I was willing to give to myself. And what a gift, like what a true gift you've given yourself. Like how does it feel to say to in little Devin, you can pursue this individual creative spark, like do it. Yes, you can. Yeah, I actually feel like this is like the secret sauce of creativity is changing things up alone. (laughs) Like we're not being so referenced in our relationships because we do that all of the time. We often understand our own identities through um, our romantic relationships, our families, our friendships. When you ask people, who are you? Oftentimes they say, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, I'm an entrepreneur. But like, who are you as a creative soul individually, not referenced to anybody else around you? That is the secret sauce. And I feel like I was able to tap into that. And I got just like this electric storm of creativity that rocketed through me during this time because I was changing things up. And one hack to access that level of energy is trying something new. Mm -hmm. So even the way that I was adorning myself. I was like, all right, I'm going to try on some different styles and dress differently out in the world. See how that feels. I'm going to go to places I've never been before. I had never taken myself out to a nice meal by myself before. That felt bizarre to me as a 32-year-old woman that I had never just indulged in that way. And I did it several times during this trip. I was like, I'm getting the wine flight and the oysters and I'm just going to read a book at this nice restaurant by myself. And that it it was an experience in the creative art of living. And that is the most epic creative art of all. If you're if you happen to be listening to this and you don't think that you're artistic or you don't have a creative medium, you do because the creative art of living is the greatest art of all. Yeah. And the only way to become truly practiced in it is to dare to practice it alone first. And then we can build our relationships after we have some mastery in that space of what it's like to paint with our own essence out on the planet. Oh, you are speaking straight to my heart right now, Devin. This is, I'm so grateful to have heard this message myself. Um, I've been dancing with this, like, you have to be a beginner. You have, like, you have to allow yourself to be a beginner because I don't always, like, I want to be so good at something or I'm so obsessed with the outcome that I can't, like, step into, like, the full creative capacity I know I'm capable of. And so Mm -hmm. it's just so nice for you to be embodying that and sharing the message is a gift to me right now in this moment, and I'm sure to the audience as well. Do you have any short stories or moments that, like, caused breakthroughs or, like, divine, like, downloads during this this, uh, sabbatical or road trip? Oh, my goodness, so many, but 
I I would love to share the biggest one, which actually is calling me back to Los Angeles again. Like yeah. through this experience, I realized I might want to be someone who bilocates between the Midwest and Los Angeles because I felt such a pull there. I feel like every city has its own mm. heartbeat, its own rhythm. And there's something really unique about that space. I really feel that's what called me forward. So the greatest breakthrough in being there, Morgan, for real, was the liberation of the women in that city. Oh my goodness. Uh, I, I moved to New York City for college for a couple of years. But apart from that, my life has pretty much existed in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, there, and there really is kind of a difference in, um, yeah, just sort of the, the boundaries of feminine expression um, in this part of the country versus that one. Sure. And the first thing I noticed when I got there is that there were female artists running spaces. They were leading. Yes. They were on the leading edge of their expression. They were taking risks. They were dressed in their own unique, colorful ways. Um, diverse women, uh, powerful women, women who weren't afraid to say what was true, even if it was uncomfortable. And I started to enter these rooms with teachers and artists and speakers and performers, musicians, uh, all women somehow that were just the leading pillars of each of the spaces. And I was blown away by the level of liberation that they were embodying. And at first it made me cry. I really had to grieve quite a bit um, when I got there because for me, I grew up feeling very much like I was too much too big, too loud, too bossy, um, taking up too much space. I was told by, you know, well, well-meaning, well-intentioned adults in my family and school, you know, other people need chances to lead Devin or you're not going to have any friends if you don't tone it down. And when I got to LA and I felt the pulse of the women there, their vibrancy, their light, um, their power, it just felt like mostly permission. Mm. Um, it's not that everyone was this, you know, wild uh, extrovert who was trying to be a leader in a space, but it felt like permission for the full spectrum of femininity in a way that I hadn't encountered before. And I'm sure beyond femininity, but as a female identifying person, this was the greatest activation for me during my time there. And after I grieved it for a couple of weeks, I got really excited about it after yeah. I grieved you know, what I didn't have growing up. I got really excited about finding a base on the planet where I could be the fullest expression of who I'm here to be. And the the energy that came in through that was just divine. There's no other word for it. Oh, and I, I heard the word permission again. You know, you gave yourself permission to go on the the road trip, leave the business behind for a while, and then you see this permission that women are giving to themselves to be that light. Oh, again, yes. again, with the poetic living that you seem to just embody, Devin. Um, so cool. I love that. And it's make me want to, I've actually never been to LA before. Is that where, like, where it was or was it somewhere else along the road trip too? Um, also Austin, Texas. Okay. So that was the first spot. Um, I actually sang at an open mic for the first time, which yeah. felt even more edgy than sharing my poetry. 
And I was at a place there. I wish I could remember the name because details are fun. Um, <laughs> but anyways, there's a great open mic in Austin, Texas that I kind of stumbled upon where they do competitive karaoke, meaning uh, the audience can boo people off the stage if they don't oh think my that God. So talk about an art wound. I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. like, well, I've always loved to sing. But if I get booed here on my first time, like singing an open mic in a brand new city, like, how is this going to go? Um, well, it was competitive karaoke, not an open mic, but you get the idea. <laughs> Which and, and I met this vibrant, passionate, magical woman, Claudia, and we just became besties and sang together and we didn't get booed off. And uh, the women in Austin, too, just had this different flavor um, and where I felt like more of myself could come out than I have felt in my upbringing in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, and then it really expanded by the time I got to Los Angeles, probably just because of the size like Austin is a beautiful but smaller city and Los Angeles is massive. Um, so there were just all of these reflections, like a hall of mirrors. Like I would meet women there and find a different aspect of myself in her eyes, in her shimmy, in her guidance, in her performance, in the way she's dressed. Like it was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Like we are all in this together and we're igniting each other's creativity. We're igniting each other's expression. I was surprised that there wasn't as much like um, superficiality or competition as I expected there to be in this city. I found um, collaboration. I found authenticity. Um, I found alignment. I found belonging. Um, and I would have never gotten this gift for myself had I not taken the risk. Um, and I'm so grateful because how would I have known if I didn't try it on like a new hat? What a cool experience. And what do you think can happen when creative women especially come together to collaborate oh wow such such magic i wish i could remember who said this quote um someone from the unleash movement which is definitely worth checking out um Yaritza, she's a wonderful female creative on the planet but um one of the people who work with her talked about the creatives almost being the new clergy during this time in life and the quote that he was going into um, basically illuminated how, uh, you know, we're living on a planet where we're really struggling right now. Like the human family is moving through some massive darkness and division and creatives are serving these really sacred roles. You know, we, we return again and again to music and poetry and movies and paintings, etc., because they help us to understand something about the human spirit. That that, you know, art reveals the the condition of the human soul. And I really think that's what we do when we come together and collaborate on projects is we're helping to show something about the truth of the human heart and soul and the current condition of how things really are. Not the narratives that we're talk, talk, talking about um, where we're trying to analyze everything and we're in our heads, but more dropped in to the body and heart and spirit. That is like such a sacred calling. So when people just say like, oh, I'm I'm just an artist or um, even when they look down on art, art is a high calling. Absolutely. Art is a high sacred 
spiritual calling that reveals the essence of the human spirit, that reveals the current condition of the human soul. Like, please take it seriously because it is serious um, and it is medicine. It is such medicine. So I really think that uh, groups of artists and particularly I've been jamming with female artists really have a, a sacred elixir that can serve some of the deep wounding that we're facing here on our planet. Wow. I feel like I'm going to have to go back and listen to everything you just said about just art being like such a divine gift for yourself and to the world really like, and just it being like part of, who we are as humans you have to you have to listen to it it's it feels like it feels like a duty for me right now to like just give myself the permissions everything you just said is a big reason why i wanted to start this podcast in the first place um i think it was you that said it like artists are either gonna shape or save the new like world the world ahead so Oh, it's just beautiful. It's been so great speaking with you on this topic, Devin. I knew it would be. Um, okay, so back to your, you've, you've gone on this tremendous transformative um, experience very recently. How has it, now what? Like you've, you've come back, like what are you taking with you into this next chapter? Yeah, oh, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I definitely have come back changed. It was so cool. I felt like dragonflies were flying or following me on my whole journey. And I've always felt more resonant with butterflies, but I looked up the life cycle of a dragonfly. It's so cool. So they're actually born underwater. And then the next stage after, I forget, like a really long time though, um, is they like crawl out and at the water and they learn to breathe air for the first time at the water's edge but they're really dull like weak wings and kind of muted colors and in order to get their colors they have to fly away from home and then they get their colors and return back to their place of origin so it was cool to have this creature be with me because I really felt like I had to fly away and kind of get more vibrancy to my colors and strength to my wings. And as I've come back, I'm seeing my home in this business with different eyes. And, you know, I'm holding it more loosely. I think we get so attached, especially as entrepreneurs and artists to our businesses and projects, almost like they're our babies. Yeah. And we have particular ways that we define them and want them to mature and evolve and grow. Um, but I really recommend holding them a bit more loosely and lightly, knowing that everything is energy and they often take on a life of their own. So we've been really in the listening of what is the future for the real magic house? How does it want to shift and change? And also what is the future for us as individual artists? And going on this journey and taking this time has allowed us to come into a bit more of a balanced space. So where we're at with things right now is really putting the emphasis more on private events rather than public facing events. This has allowed us to not take our precious resource of our energy and pour it all into this one creation, but to allocate it into the multiple passions and projects that are feeling alive for us at this time. So mostly the events that are happening here are weddings, retreats, birthdays, any type of intimate gathering where the people themselves are defining the event. 
And the house is so artistic and creative that it brings a unique transformative flavor to whatever types of gatherings are happening, no matter what they are. And at this point in time, we aren't planning any large-scale public-facing events. Could we do that again? Would we? Most likely. But uh, with our energy as the special resource, we are finding that we also want to be artists along with venue operators. So look out for my husband, Isaac, who's Robin Brazil is his DJ name, out in the community in the Twin Cities, just jamming and having all kinds of beautiful events and sharing his music and soul of the south side festival those are two projects he's working on Mm -hmm. i will be back in la in about two weeks and i am going to be the reverend of connection for an artist showcase called emerge featuring epic female artists um who are going to be bringing forward their music and poetry exploring the seasons and cycles of the human experience like There's all kinds of epic things that are coming forward right now. I feel like without effort, that's another thing, Morgan, um, to look out for. Like when we're searching for what is what is meant to be, like what is really meant for me? What is my purpose? I have noticed that when we can create more space in our lives and opportunities come forward without so much effort, when things are starting to happen with ease, that can be a clue that we're back on that solo life creative path. And that has been happening since I've been creating some space and holding the real Magic House vision loosely with our creation here in the world. Suddenly, opportunities for ceremonies have been coming forward. I just hosted a business blessing. Uh, Tomorrow, I'll be hosting a ceremony for a man who's in hospice care and really getting to do some healing um, of my own self through the loss of my dad because his children will be there. Um, and one of them is the age I was when my, I lost my dad and he went into hospice care. And now I'm getting to be on the other side and hold space in that way. Um, and these creative opportunities to be in performances in Los Angeles are popping up. Um, and really, it's not things that I've been seeking. They've just been seeking me. So sometimes our dreams start finding us. We have to get a little bit lost to get found again. So definitely consider getting lost in the magical woods like they do in all of our favorite fairy tales, because what you seek is seeking you is, you know, an idiom for a reason. It Because it's true. It's rooted in truth of the human experience. Yeah, the muse is going to come knocking and you just have to be open to it sometimes. Oh, the way that you were speaking about all of that made me think about how as artists we often feel like the thing the project we're working on is like our baby and Mm -hmm. in my like creative journey I first of all have not allowed myself as much freedom to do those things that I am now stepping into allowing myself to do which is a win but also like I look back on some of my time like when I was in high school I like started doing photography and I had a photography business for a while. Looking back on that, there's like, for some weird reason, there's like shame. I don't know why. It's like, I didn't see that through. It's like, I gave up because I faced all this imposter syndrome. Like I never took photography classes. I never actually, I'm not actually a photographer. And then with the, with the poetry, even like I did the three anthologies and then I did the collection. And now like, it's so hard for me to even open that book because I'm like I'm not a real poet like that's not actually like it's not as good as anyone else's you know like there's just so much like looking back on the creative pursuits that I've gone down I'm like 
I don't fit there. And there's like so much like, well, this is my baby and it has to be this one way instead of there being this like, like less rigidity and more like fluid and like just, just allowing myself to be whatever I am and whatever I'm practicing. Like it just, that's new for me. And it's something I'm trying. (laughs) I'm working. Morgan. You spoke to so many important things there that I just wanted to shout out for a second. And I feel like two of them, two of the things that can prevent us from holding our creative pursuits more loosely are that comparison trap, which we get into all the time. And whatever whatever things we're using to decide whether or not we're an artist. And unfortunately, this is like makes me want to puke but um one of the biggest ones is whether or not we make money from the thing yeah which is like oh wow like being a real artist means you make money from the medium yeah and yet a society often defines it that way yeah so unfortunately that spills in for us and so do we so if you're not actively um moving in the world as a photographer and defining yourself that way and making money that way then maybe you don't consider yourself as a photographer or you're comparing your writing for example to one person or another's ah oh, i get stuck in both of those traps all the time and it sucks the juice out of creativity it and really we does. all need to stop doing that and yet we all do it don't we we do we do and social media doesn't help um right my my phrase for the year is consume less, create more. Um, mm. I just yes, like I have that love that. Yeah, and it's very much it's very much stemming from that trap of like getting in the scroll doom, like getting so caught up in comparing myself my chapter one to like others chapters like twenty or like it's their third great. books. Right, I really want to focus on curating very intentionally the stories I'm putting myself in front of the people that I'm connecting with and especially like the things I'm consuming, whether it be like um, I'm doing, I'm, I'm sober right now completely, just uh, taking a break from alcohol um, and just consuming less, like consuming more like things that make me feel better, like moving my body better. Like just, I want to create the space to allow myself to create more. And mm. a lot of the consumption in various, you know, um, social in the the meals that I was eating and the things that I was drinking and whatever a lot of the consumption was distracting me from the creation so that's like oh, my yeah that's my phrase for the year <laughs> it's on my letterboard and on my desk so that's incredible that's incredible and really create more than you consume is such a beautiful mantra and then just remembering that consumption goes beyond what we're like feeding ourselves with or what we're drinking but it's you know how we're nourishing or starving our bodies minds spirits hearts it's you know all of that social media the things we're listening to um, the activities we're engaging in it's all consumption or creation and I guess if we're going to consume, we ought to do it with intentionality. Exactly. And trying to figure out, you know, is this a medicine or is it a poison? Yes. I mean, yes. yes. And, and that goes to people, too. That goes with mm-hmm. who we're listening to, who we're taking advice from, who is in our inner circle versus, yeah. you know. Um, wow. This has been such a beautiful, amazing conversation, Devin. Um, before we wrap up, are there any upcoming projects or events or things you'd like to share with our audience or things you want to plug that you're up to yourself? 
Yes. Um, so the local audience wouldn't be able to attend, but if anyone in or around the Los Angeles area on the 27th, um, which I think this will actually air after, but just to share the log of something awesome happening, um, the Dojo Initiation, which is a women group, women's group that I'm a part of, we are putting on an artist event called Emerge, which will be wonderful, um, showcasing musicians and poets. Uh, and then also going to be part of some different poetry performances happening in February in LA. So I'm pretty excited about that. And I'm working on my first book this year. It's going to be called Fortunes and Findings, Mystical Musings from the Road Less Traveled. And it's a collection of poetry and prose. So look out for that sometime this year. Oh, I cannot wait to get my hands on that book. Um, and lastly, Devin, where can people find you online? So you can visit my website at devinbrazil.com or you can check out my Instagram at it's Devin Brazil. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Art is the New Wall Street. If you liked what you heard today, give our show a follow or subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find us on social media or at artisthenewwallstreet.com. Keep creating and we'll see you next time.